0: You're listening to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast, episode number 34. And today we are diving into all things intimacy and business relationships revolving around intimacy with our guest expert, Marla Mattinson. So before we dive in though, I wanted to give a shout out to the reviewer of the week and it comes from Cam Dana four and Cam Dana four writes, Michelle Broad is a nurse practitioner and desires to help women learn about and take control over their health. Her professional podcasts are fascinating and encouraging because Michelle makes health issues simple to understand and helps me see how important it is that I don't put myself last on the list when it comes to my health. I also like that Michelle is knowledgeable about cutting edge practices when it comes to healthy diet and more. Thanks Michelle for taking the time to make this podcast and help women become better equipped to take care of their overall health. Thank you so much, Cam Dana for, I so appreciate that. You know, I love getting feedback from all of you because it lets me know, that number one, I'm giving you the stuff that you want to hear. And number two, I'm making it easy and digestible so that you can understand it and get a better grip on your health. So thank you so much for that review. So ladies, I would love it if you would go and take the time to give us a rating or review over on iTunes after you listen to the podcast and let us know what you think so that I can post one of your reviews on the podcast episode. Okay. So let's get into today's introduction and let's talk about my guest interview. Her name is Marla Mattinson. She's a relationship and intimacy expert specializing in coaching entrepreneurial couples using a non-traditional approach. She teaches couples how to uncover the hidden patterns in their relationship and business through neuroscience and mathematics. Over the course of her 23-year career, Marla has helped more than 12,000 couples including academy award-winning actors, producers and directors, NBA players and coaches, Grammy award-winning artists and millionaire entrepreneurs. She works with Julian Kolker, her life, love and business partner. And I had such a wonderful time sitting down and talking with Marla. I felt like she was just one of those girlfriends that you've known forever even though we hadn't met until that day. We dished about some great topics. So you want to stay and listen to all things, intimacy and business. So come on, let's dive in. Well, women, it's time for a new perspective on women's health, a time to understand that your greatest wealth is your health, a time to make self-care your number one priority. A time to recognize that good health is the only way to live your best life and do all that you can in this world. So join me on this journey where we'll explore women's health topics from a medical provider's viewpoint, have conversations about everyday healthy lifestyle options, and enjoy interviews with other Well Women we can all learn from. It's time to demystify women's health and learn practical ways to apply self-care to every part of our lives. This is the Well Woman Lifestyle Podcast. And I'm your host, Michelle Broad, Certified Women's and Adult Nurse Practitioner, Daughter, Wife, Mother, and All Out Women's Health Enthusiast. So you're ready to start the journey? Let's go. All right, ladies, well, welcome back to another episode of the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast. And today we have on relationship and intimacy expert for couples, Marla Mattinson. And we're going to dive into all things talking about business and intimacy and relationships, and she's got some great advice. So I know that you're going to want to stay tuned and find out all that juicy stuff. So I always ask Marla, so where are you today? I am in Venice
1: Beach, California.
0: Oh, so you're another California lady.
1: Yes. Born but and raised.
0: But it's probably very cool. Is it cool there?
1: It is. It's nice and cool. There's a little beach overcast happening right now.
0: Yeah. because Well, actually the last couple of days down here, we have actually had some cool weather. So I've actually been happy, but I live down in Temecula on the way towards San Diego. So we have been having record-breaking temperatures like well over like 110 over the last couple of weeks. So it's been crazy. So the last several days, it's been nice. And I'm like thinking, yes, so happy because today- I love Temecula. Day. Yeah. It's wine country. So, Hey, well, if you're ever down this way, let me know. We can kind of go down there and check it out. So tell me, I want, I'm going to introduce, you know, we introduced you already, but I'd like to hear from you, hear from you what it is that you do and your background and how you got started and all that lovely, juicy stuff.
1: Sounds great. So I am a relationship expert for entrepreneur couples, as you mentioned, and my background is kind of interesting. It's not a traditional psychology background. Uh, My background is in mathematics and neuroscience. Oh, Wow yeah and so i come from a very logical approach to very emotional material and you know i work with my love life and business partner julian kolker and he and i really have found that pattern recognition, when you logically understand what's happening from a biological perspective inside your brain, inside your body, during conflict, during times of pleasure and ecstasy, when you understand what's actually happening, then you're more likely to choose the healthier, loving outcomes that you're going to get when you actually practice pattern recognition relationship work.
0: Yeah, I was watching some of your videos and on your site, and they were really informative too. So, with that said, tell me a little bit. Okay, so with this pattern recognizing um, in relationships, what does it mean so that our audience knows that? And then, how does it work better to help us in our relationships when we understand those um, patterns that we're doing?
1: Right. So, you know, most people don't really think too much about this until there's problems. Right. And so if I asked you in your relationship, in any relationship that you've had, there's always how you show up and present yourself and then how the partner, the friend, the mother, the father, whoever the other person is, shows up as well. And what happens is when there's tension, One person is showing up with their habitual patterns that they have built over a lifetime from their childhood on, from society and media and culture and everything that they've onboarded in their lives. We have, I have my own set of patterns, right? And then my partner has his own set of patterns. So when we come together, we have this pattern recognition comes together where either we get an unhealthy outcome from those patterns coming together, or we get a healthy outcome. And we either experience pleasure from those patterns coming together or we experience some kind of suffering. And so when you are using pattern recognition, what does that mean? It means you notice that you're feeling uncomfortable or you're feeling tension or resentment is starting to arise. That means that you're in the middle of some kind of a pattern that's unhealthy. And if you want to get healthy, meaning to have more pleasure and intimacy with your partner during conflict, even during the conflict, right? Yeah, then what you want to do is you want to get curious. You want to start thinking to yourself, "Huh, OK, every time this thing happens, like, let's say dishes dishes are always a good one in the household. Every time I go to do the dishes, I feel like I'm always doing the dishes, right?" And he never wants to do the dishes. So if I start building resentment over that and then lash out at him later, that's an unhealthy pattern, obviously, right? I make a real easy example here. Now, if I'm building resentment and he has no idea that that's what's going on and then I lash out, that's going to cause a big problem. So becoming aware of what's happening in the moment is very helpful. So if I know that I build resentment from doing the dishes all the time, then we can have a conversation before we have dinner and say, hey, FYI, I don't want to do the dishes tonight. Are you, would you be willing to handle that? Or if not, would you be willing to load up the dishwasher, right? Something where, or can we go in there together and you hang out with me while I'm doing the dishes? That would feel better than just loading it all on me. And so again, it's a very you know, minutia type example, but those small little daily things that we get irritated about and build resentment around are just a small microcosm for not living a growth-based life together where you're just going through your habitual patterns and building resentment over time versus looking at, hmm, I don't feel good when I'm always the one doing the dishes. So how can I change something? And how can I show up differently so that then my partner wants to show up differently and make it playful and change the pattern by some sort of a, you know, a pattern interrupt where instead of me just, you know, grinding over to do the dishes, maybe, you know, I do a little dance or I say, hey, babe, you know, something playful and loving where I enroll him in in helping me or enjoying the process together. Does
0: that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense because I think that, you know, it just, it opens up a line of communication because I think a lot of us, you know, I think that what we tend to do is we don't tend to talk to our partners about a lot of things because we think, oh, if we say something, you know, whatever reason that we don't say anything, and then you start to harbor it. And then it really starts to build and build and build until, you know, then you had, it you know, it's like that last straw thing. And then they wonder like, where the heck is this coming from? Because I never saw this coming, you know, instead of talking to them while it is. And I think, you know, you said some great things, you know, talk to them about, you know, put it on like why it makes you feel the way you do it or what can I do to make the situation better? Because do you think that a lot of times we're always looking for the other person to make things better and not necessarily like looking at ourself?
1: Oh my gosh, completely. It's so much easier if everybody else would just be more loving to me, right? It would be so much easier if everyone was like, "Marla, I'm so happy to see you," right all the time because then I I would be able to just be calm and happy all the time. But that's not the case. Everybody has their own material going on, and if I'm expecting somebody else to do the work and and then I get to just sort of float around and enjoy, it's not a realistic picture. Really If you want to, right, what's the quote by Gandhi? If the change, be the change you want to see in the world, it's the same thing. So if I want to see a change in my partner, I cannot expect him to generate that change. I need to be the one to go inside and say, how can I show up as my absolute best self in the moments where... Conflict is arising as, it, as it's arising, right? How can I realize that I'm not showing up amazing? Because if I was, even if he was activated by something, it wouldn't land the same with me if I was in my best self. So it always starts with, with me, with the individual.
0: Definitely. I, I really I agree with that too. Because I think sometimes, you know, when you get married, when you first start out, Everything's great. And, you know, but we don't necessarily really understand communication. I don't think we're taught enough about communication, you know, even beforehand when we go into marriage or into any kind of, you know, relationship, significant other, whatever it is, not necessarily have to be marriage, but, you know, that talking part. And then, you know, we just think, you know, they come with their whole set of stuff too. We come with our whole set of stuff. And, you know, somehow it has to, we have to merge with each other. But how you merge with each other is through communication, right?
1: Yes. And the type of communication is very important. So if you're going to have communication just to kind of hash things out, that's one thing. If you're going to have communication based in growth, where you are dedicated to the truth more than comfort, this is what we practice and this is what we teach which is communication is a tool to excavate the patterns so that you can grow as an individual. And then the relationship itself, meaning the union between the two people, is sort of the safe harbor. So it's, I have my own personal preferences, he has his own personal preferences, and then we are in service to the union between us, where it's not just about me and what I want or what him and what he wants, it's what's best for us as a couple. And because we're in business together, which makes it more complex, it's what's best for us together as a couple, what's best for us together in business. And when you have that basis of we're more dedicated to the truth, each as individuals, than we are to our own comfort, what does that mean? That means that he can literally tell me anything of how I'm impacting him. Because if he's willing to be honest with me and share the real truth, even if it hurts my feelings, and I respond with gratitude and love and appreciation for the fact that he's being honest with me, then I fully can trust him and he can fully be himself, which creates an incredible spaciousness and freedom in relationship that most people don't experience. Most people experience that they have to hide parts of themselves or you know, not quite say it because they don't wanna hurt their partner's feelings. But really, it's not about not wanting to hurt their feelings. It's about not wanting to deal with your partner's reaction if you tell them the truth.
0: Yeah. So talk about that a little bit too. Okay. So if somebody is giving feedback to somebody else, okay, I, there's, there's probably got to be a good way and a bad way to doing this. So tell us about that. So if you're going to, if I was going to give feedback to my spouse and I want them to be more open about it and I don't want to come across sounding like a total, you know, witch or any of that kind of stuff, tell, how do we do that? Yes, so there's so many
1: great communication trainings out there. One that I highly recommend is Nonviolent Communication, NBC, by Marshall Rosenberg. He's been in the business for, you know, 30, 40 years or something. And he has this process that's basically you say, I'm feeling X, whatever angry, you know, mad, glad, sad, and scared are the four main feelings. I'm feeling some version of that, irritated, frustrated, something like that, because I realize that I have a need for. Whatever your need is, how is that for you to hear me say? That's so. Then it's I, I uh, am feeling this because I realize I have a need for this, and then some sort of a question, so that the the person doesn't just get landed on. They're actually being asked, "How is that for you to hear?" Or you know, what is your experience with that? Or some kind of an engaging question. Now, before you do any of that. We recommend that you start onboarding the idea, the concept that all feedback is love. And why is all feedback love? Everyone is just trying to get their needs met. Mm -hmm. Everyone is really just trying to be happy and safe and enjoy life. And if we really start to see that our partners like that, even in the moment of conflict, like when Julian has something that he is not enjoying about me and he's letting me know, it doesn't feel good right? I have negative, uh, this negative sort of cascade of chemicals that's flowing inside of me of defense and, you know, well, posturing. And I choose to soften when that happens and really look at him as a separate individual, as a separate human with his own needs and desires. And I go, wow, this guy has the courage to tell me this truth. He's doing it the best he can. Maybe in the moment it's not amazing. Maybe in the moment he's a little blank. Maybe in the moment he is activated beyond being able to be calm. And if I can receive all of that as love, that he's trying to get his needs met, then I am helping to what we call down-regulate the emotion in the conversation. And then he can just You know, give me whatever he's got to give. I can receive it fully without getting defensive. And then repeat back what I hear him say, right? The reflection idea that you reflect back. Hey, I'm hearing that you're really annoyed that blah, 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 right? That I didn't return this email that you wanted me to return or something. And then if he feels heard, he's more likely to calm down and to receive what I have to say. If I get defensive, he's going to bounce off of that and off to the races we go.
0: No, it's true too, because I think a lot of times, you know, we take it personal and if we look at it, like from what you're saying in a love, respect, total, you know, picture and how is this, you know, going to help the relationship, you know, over the all, the whole process of it, instead of just like at this very moment, because we're thinking of just this moment, you know, when we just, everything, our defenses go up, you know, we, oh my God, he's telling me this and I'm this and this and this. And then what we do, what do we think about? We think about how we're going to retaliate and how, what we're going to say something to them to hurt them back. And instead, what you're saying, I'm hearing you say is that, you know, to be open to, you know, in a loving way to hear what they have to say Take it and then kind of respond back in a very loving way, too. Reciting back to them, this is what you're telling me, so that they, number one, know that we heard them and yes. that they're understood. And then that way, when they know that they're understood and heard, then they can hear, you know, some feedback if we have to give some feedback. So, I want to ask you, too. So, when we give feedback at this particular time, should it be feedback about like how that person is feeling about us and not going back and like, saying stuff about them. Is that the time, you know, not to do that? Because I know a lot of times like, you know, past I've learned a lot through communication and about relations I've been married for a long time now. But when we were first married, it'd be like if he said something to me, I would just be like, okay, I'm gonna say something back to him to hurt back. And and it really never wasn't even about what he was talking to me about, what he was feeling about me. I just wanted to lash back. So is so how do we respond back at that time too? It's
1: a great question. First you want to remember at calm moments not in a conflict that your partner if you're in a healthy relationship let's just make sure that that's clear your partner would never intentionally hurt or harm you ever right and so we know that about our partners and then in the moment of conflict we feel attacked Mm -hmm. and so what's happening is on a physiological level on a physical biological level what's happening is when we feel under attack In any way, shape, or form, in a conflict with our partner, we have this fight, flight, or freeze response that sends this cascade of chemicals into our system that says it's not safe, you need to do your natural retaliation, which could be either fighting, which means I'm going to retaliate and attack you. Or it could mean you get a little paralyzed and you don't know what to say. You've got a lot of thoughts, but you can't get them out your mouth. So you say nothing and you freeze. And then later you do passive aggressive material, right? Or you, um, you you have this running away thing where you literally just kind of pack up your party and go away. And you can be standing right there and they can't get in or you literally make a big problem and and leave, right? So in the moment of conflict, if you've already established with your partner, we would never intentionally hurt or harm each other. Therefore, in the moment of conflict, we need to remember, we have no control over the first activation. The first activation is biological. So that creates hopefully a little spaciousness around hey, I'm activated. That just activated me so intensely. Can you give me a second? Okay. So you can kind of activate your prefrontal cortex, which is the decision maker and the the part that understands consequences so that you don't just lash out with your words and say something you're going to regret later. So the moment of conflict is, hang on, I'm having a reaction. And you just pause and you ask for a pause. Typically what will happen, the partner will still keep talking and it'll still activate you. You have to ask, can you just be silent for a moment? I just need to gather my thoughts. Ask for a pause if you need to go away. Some people really get freaked out in conflict and they need some space. You can say, I need five minutes to myself. I'll be right back in five minutes. Don't just walk away, right? Ask for what you need and then go outside, take some deep breaths, calm down. Remember that this person loves you And, and they're not showing up amazingly and neither are you. So come back together and then remember, look at each other in the eyes. Typically what happens in a conflict is you look at the mouth or you look down or you look above their eyes, but we don't look at each other in the eyes because when we do, we remember that we love them. So if you're silent long enough and you look at each other in the eyes, that's one way to come out of it together. Literally you can set a timer for three minutes and look at each other in the eyes. It's very challenging. <laughs> okay. Another way is to, and and this is, A challenge for a lot of people, but you can also hold hands, set a timer for three minutes and hold hands or hug each other and breathe together for three minutes. It changes your physiology together where you start syncing up together. And some people really need physical space, especially if there's any history of abuse and they don't want to be physically close, you have to honor that. But in the moment, you want to do everything you can to make sure that nothing comes out your mouth that you're gonna regret later. Rather say nothing and take a piece of paper out and vent it all out on paper and then say only what's gonna bring elevation to the relationship. How is this conflict gonna uplift your relationship? How can you use this as a way to know what your partner really needs and what they're not getting? So use it as a way to get curious about your partner and then ask them questions. It requires a lot of awareness on your part and to be able to be centered in the middle of a challenge. And if you're an athlete or you work out, it's a great time to practice that. How can you be sort of under attack physically when you're working out really hard? That's why I recommend working out with a trainer or hiking up a strong mountain where you just motivate yourself and you keep going and you work through the pain. It's a really helpful motivator for you in conflict If you practice in other areas that are also challenging,
0: yeah, that sounds great. Because you know, it's kind of like um, it's like it's a maturity, is what it sounds like. You know, being more mature, and I think that you know we you that comes with time a lot of a lot of that too. But you know, moving it to a different space, and it's not just about okay him or you; it's about us. So that was really good. But that was kind of cool. I love that hugging, looking at each other with the eye or holding hands. Now that would, it probably would be hard, but like you said if you practice that, it does calm you down because then it, those three things that you just said activates a different sense and of cascading chemicals in your body other than the rage ones that you just kind of felt when if you feel like you're being attacked. So those are some good things. I'm going to have to I'm going to try that next time. <laughs> But I, I, I get quiet. I just, like if, if I have something to say or if he says something or if, I, if I'm angry, I just, I go and process my thoughts first now. I don't ever like just, oh, you know, lash out with diarrhea of the mouth because then a lot of times you do regret it. So I go and I calm down and I think about like, how am I gonna say this first? That'll come out in a very gentle way that it meets both of our needs. But I think that it's taken me some time to do that. And I think with most people, you know, it probably takes us some time to get there.
1: I have a great activity for that if you would like to hear it. Yeah. So, so like I said, if you can get a piece of paper and, and vent out your feelings and just be a real jerk on the paper, okay? You just hide it and know, you know, you know, rip it up or burn it later. But basically, in the moment of conflict, and like you said, instead of just lashing out and saying something, and instead of just thinking about it, if you write out all of what you're angry about, upset about, and everything, then... You take your pen or pencil and you circle just the emotions, okay? Just the emotions. So like, you know, I'm so angry that you da-da-da-da-da, all this stuff. So angry, right? Angry and resentful, irritated, frustrated. And then the only thing you do is you ask your partner, are you available to hear how I feel from this conversation? if the answer is yes, then all you do is you share the words of the emotions. I want to share with you that I'm feeling angry and resentful and frustrated and sad and only the emotions without any attack, without any because, without any because you, whatever, right? Only the emotions because here's what the truth is. All of our partners can understand raw emotion. Because we're all human, so we all have them. So if you're saying the emotions without the attack of the words and the explanation or the defense, then they can receive that and have compassion for you. And after you go through your list of emotions, you can just say, Could you just reflect back a few of those that you heard me say? And then they'll reflect, I heard that you're angry and frustrated and irritated and feeling sad. Did I miss anything? No you pretty much nailed it thank you and there's this this sense of calm that happens because most of us weren't heard as children we you know our parents it, you know they had a hard time reflecting for us because they didn't learn that material and so for us to feel heard as adults is incredibly important. And sometimes that's enough to satiate all of that anger and frustration because you feel heard from your partner and they can do the same exercise and share their emotions. And this is one of the techniques that we share with our entrepreneur couples because time is always an issue with entrepreneurs. So you want to have something that's going to take five minutes or less, and you can have a, like a five minute fight. By literally writing down your whole venting, and then just the emotions that you share together, and then you move on.
0: No, I, I love that too because I remember I was reading your article about what was it? Ten things not to say mm-hmm. in, in your in your entrepreneur. You know, to, if, if you have an entrepreneurial spouse, you know, yes. because sometimes you know one is an entrepreneur, another one isn't. And sometimes you, if you both are, then I can imagine that, you know, that level goes up even more because you're both off doing your own thing. And it is kind of hard to understand. I I think the entrepreneurial mind is, you know, and when you're in it is different than if you like necessarily, I don't mean to put people down who have day jobs or whatever, but it's different than just being an employee because as an employee, you just have one responsibility. But um, when you're an entrepreneur, you've got multiple responsibilities and they take up a lot of time. So we're going to talk about that too. But now what I want to talk to you about is I want I read I was watching your other video too where you were and I really love this too about the nonverbal cues. So a lot of times we're not even aware of, you know. Arguing and having an open communication and a mature communication like what you just said and all those things too. But then you move on to the nonverbal cues that sometimes are even worse or they can be just up there with those verbal things that we say because those give, you know, a whole different meaning. So how if you know, how can we change those and understand those to help us in our relationship, even you know, in our business and in our personal life, and when our business and personal life come together?
1: I love this question. (laughs) So this has to do with understanding, and you mentioned this earlier, the personal versus a universal lens. So the personal lens that we use versus the universal lens. And so what I mean by that is we all take things personally at times even though we know intellectually that nothing is really personal. It's not, nobody's really intentionally trying to attack me, right? Everybody's just trying to be happy in their lives. And yet it feels very personal, right? And so the first thing is to uh, enlist your universal lens, which is, okay, let me pan back and look at the big picture here. So that's the first thing. So the second thing is nonverbal cues, Nonverbal communication is uh, how, you, how your face changes in tone, right? If you get flushed, if your eyes squint a little bit, if you get that little um, mark in, your, in between your eyebrows because you're scowling, right? Or if you turn your head, cock your head a certain way, or your arms are folded, or your chin is up, which indicates that you are not available for receiving information is going to all bounce right off of you, right? So there's all this physical body language that we read. And we can read it from afar. It's not even just with our partner. We know if you go to a party or an event, you can literally feel and look around the room and decide who you want to get close to and who you want to stay away from based on nothing other than their body language, their facial expressions, these nonverbal cues. And then if you hear their tone of voice, then that's the next level. And basically there's a study done at UCLA many years ago where 93% of information we take in is nonverbal. They do include tone of voice in that, but not the words. And so it's incredible how we respond to nonverbal cues more than the words. So in relationship, what happens is You can look at your partner because you know them really well and you can see a tiny little shift in something and you can start reacting. You can start, your cascade of chemicals starts flowing and they haven't said anything. And Julian and I have this happen a lot because we also, we call it being in the files. We read each other's minds because we're so connected all the time. And so when you're really connected with your partner, that's a plus. That's right. That's a positive thing because you know them really well. It's really lovely. And it's really challenging because you can read their thoughts. You can read their body language and their cues to tell if they're happy or relaxed or getting frustrated. And the thing is is that if you just start to respond to those nonverbal cues with an assumption, then you're not giving your partner the benefit of the doubt what if what their facial expression is doing is not because of you? What if it's because they had a thought about something that happened earlier in the day? Or what if they're concerned about something tomorrow and they're giving this this physical cue that you're reading and interpreting inappropriately, that you're making it about you taking it personally? So we like to give the benefit of the doubt and respond with, hey, I noticed that Your face is changing expression and you look a little unhappy. I'm just wondering, is that about me or is that about any something else going on for you? And just pose it as a question: like, I'm curious, I'm not really sure. What is it about? Don't assume that it's about you. Because even if it is about you, then if you say it in that way where you're not sure, is it about me or something else? Your partner has the opportunity to say, you know what? I was, I was thinking about doing the dishes later and I don't want to do it. And so that's actually a good time. Can we have a conversation about it? So it opens up communication in a way when they don't feel defensive because they don't feel attacked and you don't feel defensive because you're not assuming what their nonverbal cues mean.
0: Correct. Yeah. Because, well, you know, assumption is making an ass out of you and me. That's <laughs> yes. it. So it's kind of, it's, it's true because we just were assuming, and we do that all the time, even with other things like If when we're having a conversation, if we need to talk to somebody, we go over all these things in our head, and we're responding in our head before we've even talked to that person, because and we don't even know how they're going to respond. But we're 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 thinking, oh God, they're going to say this, so this is this. Oh, this and this. So we're assuming, and then half the time you go to talk to you talk to people, and they don't even react the way that you had this whole thing that you got yourself all worked up about. And you know it's crazy, but you know I guess it's just a human trait that we all do this, you know, because we just take things personally, and it's just it's so easy to go there than to just let it go and to kind of try to be in a neutral state. I think that's wow. what it is, you know, being in that neutral state or trying to get your mind there, saying okay. I need to be, you know, what you know, hear them first, you know, hear what they're saying and not react so that I can come up with, you know, good stuff so that it's not just this back and forth cattiness because and then that ends up going nowhere. So you really then haven't even solved the issue at hand. You're back where you started again, then neither feels heard, and then you start all over again. Right. Yeah. So I think Go
1: sorry: yeah what you're talking about is our default setting. We yes. all go back to our default setting like it's kind of like on a computer you put it in restore mode and it restores it back to the original with nothing on it and that's our default setting is all of what we grew up with and so we have these places we, we go back to and the idea is that we instead of bracing for the worst, which is what you were talking about and making the assumption of how somebody is going to respond, what happens if we choose to expect the best. What if we choose to think about, hey, I'm going to have this challenging conversation with someone because you know it might be challenging for you or for them. What if I expect something better than I could ever imagine? What if I think to myself, okay, the call is probably going to be a little challenging because I'm already feeling anxious about it. And what if I expect the best by the end of the call, by the end of the conversation? What if by the end of the conversation, amazing things happen. Growth happened. We got to understand each other more. They learned more about what I need. I learned more about what they need. And in the middle, the messy middle that we like to avoid, we allow ourselves to have a little messy middle so that by the time we get to the end of the call, we feel complete. We feel more connected. And that's the idea is that instead of bracing for the worst, and and hoping that we could just kind of skate by, we go in full force with love. We go in full force with expecting the best by the end of the call. And that way we're more likely to show up as confident and loving and compassionate and even playful.
0: No, I, I love that. And I think that you know, it's just a, it's just a total shift for most people. But it's like with a lot of other things. But if you look at it from like the love, and if you look at it from like you said, have a positive outcome, and what's going to happen at the end. That if we look at conflict in general, overall, as a good thing because it helps foster a better relationship. It moves things ahead, so you're not stagnant. And you know, you want to know what your partner's thinking. In business and in life, because that's how you grow together and make the relationship stronger. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, like in anything else that you have to deal with conflict. You know, we only look at it as conflict because we're thinking of it in that terms. But like you said, if we think about it, like, okay, something as good is gonna come out at the end for both of us. And it's a growth experience because I'm gonna have to go through this. And when I'm talking to this person and they're giving me feedback, I'm growing as a person. So if we look and we put the onus on ourselves instead of always on the other person. I think that we would get you know, so much more out of all of our relationships, When you say?
1: I 100% agree. And the thing is, I think intellectually, everyone understands this and everybody wants this. The practice is very different. And so to set yourself up for success in actually practicing this with your partner, you want to get on the same page. So you want to say, hey, next time we have a conflict, let's just plan in advance, pre-plan how we want to go through the conflict. And, and let's are you open to having an amazing experience of growth through and beyond the conflict? Is that something you're available for? So you get on the same page with that first. And then when you're in the conflict, usually what happens is you totally forget about all that. And then you go through the conflict, you get to the end and you go, oh, shoot, we were supposed to go through this in a loving way. And here's what we do. This is the best technique and it's so easy. We call it the redo. All you do is you ask for a redo. Hey, I didn't show up amazing there. I feel like we could do better. Would you be willing to do a redo with me? And if your partner says yes, then what happens is you both reenact the exact same scenario. But this time you put on a little bit of your acting hat and you show up as your best self. You show up with your sparkly eyes and your loving tone of voice and you know you have to shake off all the negativity first, but you show up as your best selves and you go through the same scenario, but this time you choose love in every mm-hmm. choice point, moment. And when you do that, you literally are rewiring your brain in the moment. And that's how you never have to say, I'm sorry ever again in a relationship because you redo it in the moment together And you come out the other side going, yeah, high five on that one. We did it. We did an amazing job. And then you don't have to spend any time in your mind ruminating over, oh man, I really didn't do that great. Or he was really a jerk in that scenario. I did not enjoy that. Right? You don't have to spend any time in negativity after the conflict because you did a redo together.
0: That's cool. I'm going to have to, going to have to try that. So ladies, there's a great thing, a redo. And I think it would just, it helps so much because I think when you do it the second time, you take some of that stuff out that you've already got the stuff, you know, the, yeah, that stuff first. And so when you come back at it, you're in a whole different space. And I think it's all about what you're talking about. It's just really focusing and trying to put our minds in a different space in conflict, you know, and yes, it is very, it is difficult because we're not taught these skills these are skills that, you know, that you have to go to see someone like yourself for, you know, learn and be willing. I think the thing of it is is like with your health too, you have to be willing to want to bring these things into your life. And, um, you know, and why wouldn't you, when you have a, you know, if you have a loving relationship and you want that relationship and you're especially like, you know, an an entrepreneur too, like you talk about, you want to have that relationship to be good and solid. And in anything that we do in life, uh, ladies, you know, Communication is key. So we can always get better with it. And it's just going to help in so many different ways. So I love all these. These are great. I love
1: it. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the health piece, which is obviously essential here, is, you know, if we go along in our lives in that, on our health journey, on our own physical, emotional, mental health as women, and we don't pay attention to it and we don't consciously choose how we want to. Uh, grow and age and take care of ourselves. If we don't pay attention to it, then our natural default settings take over. So my default setting of whatever I eat that happens to be in the house or what looks good or you know to eat or you know how I want to take supplements or not. If I don't have a healthy default setting, which most of us don't, right. then I'm gonna I'm gonna just go right back into old habit. Patterns that got me into the unhealthy state that I was in the first place. It's the same thing in relationship. If you don't pay attention to it, your natural default setting of whatever your parents did is what's going to take over. Or whatever, whoever raised you, that's what's going to take over because that's what you learned love is. That's what you learned health is, right? Health was set in in motion from a young age. Here's what you do with food, here's what you do with your emotions, here's what you do with your physical body and your health. And if you didn't have healthy patterns set from a young age, you're not gonna suddenly have them unless you pay attention to it.
0: Yeah. And like what I've started doing too is a lot, like for the past like several years. And I like, well, it's gotta be like 10 years now. And what I try to really learn is I look at and say to myself, you know, what part am I playing in all of this? Okay. Because it's so natural when things don't go right. And, you know, especially when you're an entrepreneur, and I've had businesses and I've had partners, you know, business partners that have done things. And, you know, it's very easy to just put all the onus and the blame on somebody else that we were talking about earlier. So I started asking myself the question, okay, so what part did I have? Because like I can control that part. So what did I, you know, what did I do or didn't do that brought about this Action or whatever happened, and I'm trying to learn from it so that next time, maybe not in that same situation. Next time, I can approach it differently. Like um, I had a bad thing happen when I had when we owned an office and people started leaving, and I said, okay, well, I could be yes. I'm upset that they're doing all this and they did it very incorrectly and all that other kind of stuff. But what did I do? Okay, so I didn't get contracts. Next time, I'm going to get contracts and sign these so that I don't feel this way you know, about this situation when it comes up again, because it was a mess. I felt bad. They felt, well, I don't know if they felt bad, but I felt horrible. And then I blamed myself, you know, I blamed myself because God, you didn't do this, Michelle, you didn't do that, you know? And so I think that, you know, that whole blame shame thing comes around when you're an entrepreneur and especially whether it's a business partner who's either a significant other, or even if they're not, you have to learn how to have, open communication with them because sometimes as an entrepreneur, it's not your significant other all the time, right? It's other people. And I don't think, and I think that it's so, and I want you to talk about this too, because when we go in business with our significant other or just in general, in business in general, that communication is so important because that's where so many, oh gosh, that's where so many things just happen in a bad, bad way.
1: Yeah, the, the, the communication, if, first of all, if you're in business for yourself, communication with anybody else is important. Clients, potential clients, service providers, uh, how you onboard people. Um, everything, every little part of a business when you're a business owner is essential that you have clarity and efficiency in communication. If you don't have clear systems, if you don't have clear, you know, standard operating procedures for how you do things, uh, then it's left to whomever is in charge of it. And as the business owner, typically that causes tension because nobody's going to do it the way you would do it. And so if you want to delegate and you want to off load some of the work that you have onto, let's say, a virtual assistant or you know, uh, an office manager or somebody, then you have to have clarity in communication. Um, the biggest difference, you mentioned entrepreneurs versus employees, and the biggest difference between entrepreneurs and employees is the entrepreneur is connected to the bottom line. So the financial bottom line is always on the shoulders of the entrepreneur. Now, there are a lot of employees that have entrepreneur mindsets, where they are connected and they want to elevate the business and these are the Rock star employees that are amazing and probably will go off and, and have their own business at some point but to be an entrepreneur and not want to develop your communication skills is like shooting yourself in the foot and then starting a marathon it's it's just it's essential for any entrepreneur who's going to have any kind of a service or a product-based business where they're involved uh, to want to develop your communication skills. And so what that means is um, like exactly what you said, what is my part in this? How am I showing up? The first form of communication is how you self-talk, how you communicate with yourself. Right, So, if you go into self-blame or self-doubt or self-worry, then that is slowing down your progress. right? And instead, if you go, well, I didn't show amazing here, let me take a look at what could I have done differently, and you get objective. You have a little spaciousness, you know, Julian and I have a 15-minute meeting every day where we're taking a look at logistics, what do we need to do? Uh, what can we celebrate that was already done, and what is getting in the way of our next set of tasks. So that's where we get to share the real truth of like, well, you know, I need to do this before I can do this piece, or I'm feeling really anxious today, and so I don't feel motivated to work on copy, or, you know, that we get to share the real truth of what's going on to off-gas it, in a very safe way and practice communicating what's really going on inside in those meetings and then throughout the day continuing to communicate and then there's something beyond that which is how do you uplift your team how do you uplift and inspire and motivate the people who are working with you even including clients including service providers everyone who's on your team needs to know that they are hitting the mark that they're doing a great job or if something is off or not working, that you set aside time to let them know, hey, here's what's going well. Here's what needs a little bit of work. Let me know if you need support around this or if you understand what, what we're asking you for. So communication is one of the core essential pieces for developing yourself as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because I think that you know, you have to be able to express yourself and in a, in a loving way, to other people because you want them to be able to come back and express yourself. But it's so funny too, because um, a lot of times, you know, we find that um, we just, we want to micromanage people all the time instead of just giving them, you know, high, like I said, I would love this quote, John Maxwell said, he goes we don't hire smart people to teach us things, we hire smart people for them to teach us, not the other way around. Because a lot of times, you know, we we stifle people in, you know, and we get afraid. Like, oh, if I if I let them as an entrepreneur, if I let them run with the ball, you know, something's gonna happen because we are in this mindset that we have to control everything. And in doing that, we just we just destroy relationships and we destroy creativity because creativity is allowed fosters when we have communication and we allow others to communicate their their gifts and talents in this world too. And so that's another big thing that I think that, you know, we need to really learn when we have employees or when we have staff or we have our, our, our significant other who's our, you know, our partner in our business, you know, not crossing those crosshairs and getting on each other and stifling each other to where we can't be our best selves or bring our best stuff to the table and do, you know, our... What is it? Our mojo, our good stuff, right? Yes,
1: I 100% agree. And you know, the idea of mistakes is such an interesting concept, right? Most of us feel like mistakes are a problem. Why would anybody want to make a mistake? However, um, something you may or may not totally know about me is I was a high school math teacher with inner city kids for seven years in Los Angeles Unified, and I worked with inner city kids who really didn't want to learn math. Some of them, some were super excited about it. But what I taught was that mistakes were opportunities to learn and grow. And mistakes are exactly that. If we view it as a problem, if you view a mistake, like let's say a team member makes a mistake. If we view it as a problem, then somebody needs to be blamed for that problem. If we view a mistake as an opportunity to learn and grow, then everyone on the team gets to learn from that mistake and everybody gets to have gratitude for the person who made the mistake so it's like wow I'm so glad you made that mistake because now we get to see how we need to shift and change and and what's off or not working in our systems and if that person makes the same mistake again and again and again then it's a different conversation so then the conversation is hey we've talked about what needs to change it hasn't changed, therefore we're gonna to need to make a different choice now. So that's still a learning growing process, which is, hey, our expectations and our, our is a high standard of excellence here and integrity. And if you're not learning from the mistakes because you keep making the same ones over and over, then a different choice is gonna be made. And so you're clear with, okay, here's what needs to happen next. We need to clean this up and if it doesn't get resolved, you know, maybe you make that same mistake one more time, slightly differently, but if you make it three times, really you're out. That's the kind of thing where now you need to cut that person from the company probably.
0: Yeah. Blame, I think blame just stifles things, you know, and it it really does on any level in any relationship in anything communication just blame just stifles um, growth because a person feels like oh i can't do anything right after that instead of like i'm like you i don't look at failure i don't look at those type of things i think that you know if you try and you're putting your effort into it then it's then you you have some sort of success it may have not have turned out the way that you wanted to so okay Let's look at how it did turn out. How can we navigate down that way or what do we need to change, like you said, to make it better? So, you know, we tried and it didn't work this way. But that doesn't mean it's still not going to work. We just have to figure out a different avenue, you know, instead of like scrapping everything because you don't always have to scrap stuff. Sometimes, you know, great things come out of mistakes, Yes, you know, and that's a good thing because you learn, like you said, maybe, maybe you wouldn't even found that this system didn't work the way you thought it worked because this mistake happened. So now, you know, to go back and to correct it and, you know, then everybody wins. It's a win-win, you know, like what, that's what I think we should all be striving towards in relationships to create win-win things so that everybody feels, Empowered no matter what's happening, right? Yes, yes.
1: And blame has a purpose. So blame is something we like to avoid if possible. However, we are human and blame arises. So even in the form of a thought. So sometimes, uh, you know, I will blame somebody in my mind for something. And then I realize the truth of blame, sort of the other side of blame, is. I feel defensive. I feel that something has happened that I didn't like or didn't enjoy in some way. And instead of choosing to see the event or the scenario as, hmm, this person was doing their best because that's what they did. Instead of seeing it that way, I blame, right? But if I I do it in my mind it's a little easier because now nothing has come out my mouth, so I don't have to clean anything up, right? And at the same time, how can I use when, when blame arises in me and to not make it wrong, to make it a yes. I'm a yes for when I blame somebody, I let myself have it. Just let yourself have that internally and then shift it, right? Then shift it internally. But if we squash it too quickly, then we are slowing down our own process of really changing and shifting genuinely. If we allow ourselves to have all that like, nasty negativity, it's their fault, or even self-blame, it's my fault. If I just let myself have it for a moment without trying to change it and feel it through the, through the form of sensation physical sensation where do i feel blame in my body where do i feel it internally and where is it where is it sort of hiding out in this moment and can i focus on the sensations in my body more than the thoughts That's how we observe what we call impermanence because sensations change in the body. You're not going to have that feeling and sensation of blame forever. You're going to have it for a moment or maybe five minutes. And you get curious about it. Oh, it's really intense in my throat and in my belly. And now, oh, it's changing, it's shifting, it's changing. Then you have an experience of impermanence. So you know everything changes and I'm experiencing it in my body. So now I can get curious about it and move away from the object of the blame and move towards getting curious about the sensations and, and watching them change and move and shift and dissipate.
0: Yeah. I think you know it's great because as we learn all these different things and you kind of see, like you said, the change and the shift, it's 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 enlightening and also you know you become a new person in this whole process too which is really a good thing too because it's growth and i think sometimes we get afraid of growth we don't want to grow because we think growth we associate growth with change and you know we want to get stuck in our little things but you know life is a growth process you know it's like i talked to the women too that are part of the tribe is you know your your health is a journey so growth is a journey too And, you know, you have to have communication with yourself, like what you're saying and those around you in order to fully experience life. Because life is, you know, it's a journey and it's all about that communication with others. Because unless you sit in your house and you don't have contact with anybody ever, you know, you're going to be having communication with lots of people. And people are, you know, complicated beings, like you said, you know, we come from, you know, all this stuff that, you know, that our parents did. And even though some of us sit there and say, okay, we don't want that. And we consciously know that there's people who consciously say, okay, I saw what my parents did and, and all this stuff. So I'm going to try to change those patterns in me. But some of them, you know, there's still things, there's still patterns that we don't recognize that we have to learn as they, as they come out to see, okay, where is this coming from? Because I know that, I'm very different. You know, my mom and I, I love my mom dearly, but we're very different people, but I can still see myself acting sometimes like, you know, the things that, you know, from growing up and I say, I don't want to be like that, you know? So, it, it takes a conscious effort to say, okay, this is not really the real me. This is, you know, a pattern that I've been, you know, accustomed to that I've grown up with that's easy and comfortable for me to just fall right into instead of wanting to experience the uncomfortableness to make a change, to make it better for those around me. And I think that's a, that's a big thing that I've learned that in maturity, just to see that, you know, to, that I don't want to be there and trying to get out of that, um, like you said, you know, the patterns that we've learned, you know, to want to get out of those, you know?
1: Yes. And this is honestly, this is the benefit of doing couples work. So there are incredible therapists and coaches and experts that work with couples. I'm one of them, of course. And when you are consciously doing the work yourself, like as you are, if your partner is also doing the work and you're being guided by an outside source, an outside mentor then one partner doesn't have to take the lead in guiding because typically, what happens is if you know more about communication and you know more about growth and how to have that mindset, then what happens is if you're leading it for the partnership, you turn into the parent figure, whether you're the man, the woman, or whoever you are in the relationship. And if you turn into the mentor or the parent figure, it kills passion faster than almost anything else. If you're the know-it-all and you're the one who's guiding, it's very dangerous for passion. And so having couples work as the foundation of at least once a year, you know, go in for a deep dive with an expert somewhere so that you can excavate some of your material together and get on the right track together. Because when you're doing it together, because... Sometimes, like you said, you can hear your mom in your thoughts, in your tone of voice, in how you speak you know, to your partner. I hear my mom's tone of voice sometimes, and so does Julian, and um, the unpleasant version, because my mom is amazing. And sometimes I get this very nasty tone in my voice. And so Julian, because we do the work together, he'll say to me, sweetheart, would you be willing to change your tone of voice to make it a little more kind, and just try that one more time. I'd really appreciate it. So because he knows that I want to come out of that negativity, I want to come out of that nasty tone of voice when it arises, by the way, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or needing to control something because I feel out of control. When that arises, he knows I'm not doing it to harm him or to squash him. I'm doing it because I'm suffering. And so when he understands that and he requests of me to raise up to my highest level to call me to a higher standard that's when the real work happens and when i soften my ego enough to receive that feedback from him because you know my first my first is like well if you weren't so la 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 then i wouldn't have to have that tone right but instead i fully receive what he has to say and because i can do that then I genuinely try to soften my voice, my tone, and sometimes I get it right on the mark on the first time, and other times not quite. And he will hold me to the highest standard and say, Babe, that's so good. You did a great job. You can do even better. I know you can soften your tone even more. Would you be willing to try one more time? And then, uh, you know, the whole ego pops up again, like, I don't want to do it again, right? But I'm going to do it again, not only in service of my own growth, but in service of the union. And because he's being vulnerable requesting it, because he knows that he's now open for attack. Because I could literally say any one of 12 things to make him the problem, right? To off gas and deflect and make me not the problem. And instead, I choose to go in deeper and to break the ego down even more and die a little bit more inside right in a good way meaning you know burn up the ego and i do it again and when we get through that together our bond is unbreakable it's the best friend bond that we have where we are really connected and really wanting to work through this material over and over together
0: yeah i think if you if you give your other, your partner too the, the respect and say hey you know call me on it And you are saying, you know, because you want to grow as a person, and then they do. And then I love what he said. He said, I would appreciate it. So he's also giving you, responding back in a very loving way, like I'd appreciate it, you know, not in a bad way, but he said it in a way that's not, that's uplifting you. So you take it as a compliment, okay? And you're going, okay, yeah, I can, you're right, I can do this better. And you know, he's telling you that, hey, I appreciate that, you know, that you're trying and that you can do this. So it's, it's all in that tone and how he's saying it to you and how you receive it. And yeah, I think definitely, you know, we all do need some, you know, counseling on this area or like you said, even like once a year, it's like going in for a detox, you know, because we can all learn how to talk to each other better. There is def, it never stops. No, and and you just have to like in each layer you have to learn because we're complex beings and like you said you know we're we're peeling back layers of that onion of things that we learned you know as we're grow as we're growing up and so it takes time for those layers to come off and to go okay I understand this layer now we're moving past that and then maybe another layer will come out later on especially when you're working together because I remember. And I'm sure you, you work with this with couples too a lot because I, I, when I was working and when I work at home, just probably like you do too, my husband, he doesn't, he doesn't work at home. He works at a something, at a job. You know, you're spending a lot of time doing your entrepreneurial stuff. And I remember one day he's like, well, you know, you spend more time with the computer than, you know, than you did with me, you know, and put the little wedding ring up at the, you know, taped it onto the computer. Okay. Now that, now if that isn't a slap in the face, you know, okay. So then I'm like, okay, now I got to really learn, but you know, you do because you come as an entrepreneur, like we're going to, I want you to talk about too. Sometimes you become consumed with it and you know, yes, your partner, whether he works with you in the business or he doesn't work with you in the business, he is still part of that union called business,
1: right? Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so, you know, here's the thing as entrepreneurs, most of us love our businesses and we're excited about them and we want them to grow and we want to give them all of our time and attention and energy and money, right? And we're investing in ourselves to becoming better entrepreneurs. And so it's a little bit like, you know, a mistress or a side you know, side relationship where you're getting a lot of passion and um, energy and attention from your business. And we're getting filled from our business and it feels good. Even when things are not going well, it's still like, this is my baby. I want to really make sure that it's doing amazing. And if we don't reserve some of our energy for our relationship, then we start using the business as an excuse, as an escape, as somewhere where we're gonna always go like, well, I can always just work on my business when I'm feeling annoyed with my relationship or when I'm feeling alone or isolated and I'll go to the business. And instead of moving towards the partner, so it's a conscious choice. As an entrepreneur, we have to be aware, a lot of our passion and our attention and time goes towards our business, and so because it needs to, and at the same time, how are we reserving time, attention, passion for our partner? Because otherwise, yeah, you get the, the wedding ring taped to the, you know, the wedding band taped to the computer, As a reminder, and how wonderful that he did that because he's that's his way of saying, Hey, me, what about me? What about us? I want attention for us, and it doesn't feel good that all the attention is going to your business. So let's make a change together, right? That was his way of saying it, and you received it and made some changes. And so, you know, it's like some partners will never say anything. And they'll just deal with it and they'll sort of silently, slowly move away mm. energetically. Some partners will be very aggressive and, and blame you and your business, which causes a lot of tension. Um, and some partners are very loving with the way that they say, hey, I really need some time for us. You know? And so there's so many different ways that entrepreneurs can connect with their partners, even when they're having a lot of attention needing to go into the business. Little text message, like technology is amazing. Send a text video to your partner at some random time during the day. Take a little, literally a 10 second video. Everybody has time for 10 seconds. If you have time to pee, you have time to make a little video for your partner hey, I just want to let you know, I love you. I'm thinking about you. I'm in the middle of this launch. I'm in the middle of this awesome thing I'm doing. But guess what? You're the number one thing on my mind right now. I'm sending you love and good vibes. And if you want to do a little flash or something, you can do that too. Otherwise you can keep it clean just in case the kids are going to see. And you just send kisses and love and emojis and then send it. It's so loving to receive something like that from your partner.
0: Now, those are great. So, you know, you have any more of those great tips?
1: Oh, I've got a cabillion of those great tips. What else do you want to hear?
0: Well, no, give us some more because, you know, the video is great because I know a lot of the women that listen to the show also are business owners and they're entrepreneurs, a lot of them. So, you know what are the things that we can do to that are you know that we can connect or reconnect in that loving way um because i know i saw the video where you where you were talking about the food thing and how you can bring it's not about the food it's about how to bring other things into your relationships so talk to us a little bit about that too
1: oh yes okay so here's the idea you can use anything to spice up your relationship you can use anything to connect deeper in relationships. So the number one thing that's challenging for entrepreneurs in relationship is time. Time is always ticking away, right? And entrepreneurs are connected to the bottom line. So we always want to you know, stay connected there. And we want to have attention on our business and see what's happening. So if you give your partner a no technology calendared date, It can be a 20 minute walk around the block. It can be a a one hour lunch or breakfast or coffee hang. It can be a a three hour movie night with with dinner, right? If you can calendar once a week, some no technology zone where everybody puts their phones away, it's on airplane mode if you have to have a timer Or you can have something like some of us have children, young children, where if you're going to go on a date, you need to have access for the nanny or for the babysitter. So you can have one phone that the only thing is they have a special ringtone or text tone for the baby or uh, babysitter or nanny, right? And so that's the only thing you respond to on one of the phones. And that's set up in advance. It's a lot of structure, but it's really worth it. And then you have time together and you have... Some people like a little structure with their time together where you're going to maybe play miniature golf, or you're going to go for a walk on the beach or a walk around the block. And sometimes it's helpful to move together, just walking together where you're not staring at each other, right? At the dinner table, walking side by side where you're both looking out, where you're both actually moving your body is one of the healthiest things you can do. Because you can talk about things that are harder to talk about face to face, right? When you're facing each other. Another fun thing to do is something like, you know, the um, painting and wine, um, what, I forget what they're called, but painting and wine evenings where, you know, you're going and doing something or hire somebody to guide you through a yoga class together where you're working out together. One of the things Julian and I love to do is we go hiking together. And we listen to audiobooks where we're listening at the same location while we're hiking. So we have our own individual earbuds in, listening at the same time. We're hiking, so we're getting exercise. We're listening to this material, and one of us will yell out, pause. We both stop and we press pause on our, on our phones, and then we talk about it for a moment. Ooh, what did you think of this? Oh, I thought about that. And so we're using this external source of information and input as a way to go deeper into our own growth and understanding, and then we talk about it and we go, okay, you ready? Yep, ready, and play. And then we keep walking and we keep going. So you can make it super, super playful. One of the biggest things is to calendar the time, book it in the calendar, give an invite, an official invite in your calendar to your partner. Another piece is if you can share your calendar with your partner, actually let them see the whole thing so that they have access to viewing your calendar so they can see how busy you are. So they can see where there is some time and they can even make a recommendation. So it's not all on the entrepreneur hey, Friday at three o'clock, I see you have a free hour. Would you be willing to get together for 30 minutes of that to have some downtime with me to snuggle in bed? Hell yes, right? Or take a bath together. Julian and I have an amazing huge bathtub. We get a lot of work done in the bathtub and we also just play. We love to enjoy the water and just chill in there. So you find what works for you as a couple, you know, we love to cook together, to be in the same room together. We spend a lot of time together, as you can tell, but we really enjoy it. So calendaring the time is the A number one thing. And then whatever you do at that time, definitely no digital uh, electronics for some part of the time. And then other times, yeah, use the electronics.
0: No, I think those are all great things too, because I think that, you know, just in life in general, we all get so busy in our own thing that coming together is really hard. And especially like when you have kids, you know, then it becomes a focus is on the kids. And then if you're an, a woman who's an entrepreneur, then you've got the business, the kids, you know, and unfortunately sometimes, you know, you don't mean to, the husband comes last. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you do have to calendar. It. It's like I tell her, but even you have, like you have to calendar your health. You have to calendar your relationships, ladies, because otherwise, it can go astray, like for months, and you don't even realize that. And then it's that time away that causes the um, the strain. Yes, and then and then trying to find it back is is worse than if you just kept on working on it little by little all the all the time. So it's not like it's such a huge project. You know, like if you let things go, then it's a huge project. Well, if you let your relationship go, trying to repair it is also a huge project too. So the more that we can spend time, and you said it's just like little things, because I know I can sit at the I have to tell myself this even with myself and my own self care, and that's why I talk about some ladies during the day. I'm like okay. I set my timer. I've been doing this for two hours now. I need to get up and go outside. I need to go get some iced tea. I need to just go get off the computer and get my body moving. Because otherwise, you know, we could sit here all day on the computer because we're just so into it. And I've got so many things I've got to do that if we don't, if we're not conscious about it. Before you know it, it's nightfall and you've been at your computer all day and you're stiff and you haven't drank your water and done anything. So you know, it's just that conscious effort, like what you're saying. That you can do in little date nights. It can be even at home, you know, putting the kids together. Like for me, I've learned that, you know, when my husband comes home, I get off the computer and I go spend time with him. And then when he's asleep and the dogs are asleep and it's quiet, if I have anything to finish, then I come back and I'll do it. But he's already asleep. Mm-hmm. So that way he feels like, you know, okay, I'm spending time with him and I'm not just like sitting here with this, or I'll ask him, I'll say, Hey, you know, I've got this thing to finish up. You know, if you don't need me anymore, is it okay? Can I go do this? You know, just to give him the permission you know, during his time. Yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. You can finish it. Like last night we were cooking together and just, no, you know, I don't need you for this part. So like you said, it's just respect. Them and especially if you both are in the business together working on it, you and you're on the same calendar and stuff, and you're both at it, you know, those things to like you said to show each other that your calendar so that they can see that you know I'm really doing this, I'm really busy, it's not me just saying that so that I don't have to spend time with you is another big um, eye opener for them, too. So, I think those are all great things,
1: right? And when you know the calendar is so important that you can tell what somebody really cares about by looking at their calendar and looking at their checkbook looking at their bank account what are you spending your money on and what's taking up your time in your calendar and most of us I love, of course, that you brought up calendaring self-care. It's essential. So if we're not calendaring self-care, it won't happen. If you're not calendaring time with your partner, it won't happen, right? It's not going to happen mindfully, that's for sure. It'll happen only as a default. We calendar all of our session times, all of our podcasts, right? We calendar the things that are very important to us that are non-negotiables. What happens when self-care is a non-negotiable? Now we're really elevating to the lifestyle we really want to live.
0: So too, so let me ask you with this question. So as a businesswoman, how does you know building a better relationship with our partner, you know, because I love this, I saw this on your website too, help us to build our income. And on both parts for both of us and how, if you're an entrepreneurial woman, you know, and you have a couple, how do you get your husband, like, how can you bring your husband and get him involved you in a certain way as well? So that, you know, that you're all moving forward on the same page.
1: Yeah. So to onboard your partner, let's just talk about that first. So for entrepreneur couples, It's not difficult to onboard your partner. Your partner's already in and your partner knows because they're part of it, right? They know, okay, these things need to get done. One thing for for entrepreneur couples is to make sure that you have a minimum of a 15-minute meeting every day so that you can, you can off-gas together, you can go through your to-do list. We call it the to-done list because it's already done, right? And um, to have this meeting at the beginning of every day or right after your self-care routine, you want to have your, your meeting to connect and, and be clear on what's happening with each person. Otherwise, resentment starts to build if you were expecting your partner to do one thing and they didn't do it, right? So you get clear from the beginning. Now if you're in a relationship where you're the entrepreneur and your partner is not an entrepreneur or they have their own business and they you're both entrepreneurs but they have your different businesses right or any other scenario than you're working together you want to strategically include your partner at various times so number 1 if you're in a committed relationship Uh, where you're living together and you're married or you're in a domestic partnership where it's clear you're life partners, you want to start using the words, our business, we, and it's an amazing shift when you say my business and I have to do this. And you know, it's very exclusionary and it makes them feel like, okay, it's me or the business. So when you start, it's such a little shift, but if you shift the words when you're talking with your partner about the business, that you either say the business or you say our business, it's going to shift something internally for your partner where they're going to go, oh, our, right, it is our business. Technically, I own half of whatever you have. So therefore, it's definitely, you know, our business. And it opens up like, oh, if it's partially my business, then I'm curious what's happening in my business because it's now our business. And that's number one, changing your words. It's so subtle, your partner will absolutely notice. It's going to be interesting. Okay. And then that opens up as a conversation to say, you can even preempt it by saying, I want to let you know that I'm going to shift my language around when I talk about the business that it's not my business, it's our business, because I really do think of it like that. I'm doing it for us. I'm doing it for the betterment of our relationship as well as the the greater good. So that's number one. The second thing is, if you really want to have your partner feel loved and included in your business adventure, then you want to strategically share with them in advance when things are happening. So you can look at your own calendar and look at the month and say, ah, you know what, towards the later end of this month, I got a lot on my plate and I'm going to be gearing up for that. So you're going to let your partner know in advance and say, hey, FYI, like the end of October is really looking tight. I'm just going to give you a heads up. If you want to make other plans with friends at that time, that would be great. So I have extra time for myself. Or if we can strategically plan like 30 minute dates or two hour chunks of time where we're definitely connecting, I want to make sure that gets in the calendar now so that we don't have to wait until I'm on crunch time. Can we plan in advance to make sure that, because it's really important to me that we're connected through my challenging time, you know, through my crunch time. How does that feel to you? So including your partner in that way, I mean, how do you feel like about that?
0: No, I think that that's great because the more that they feel that they're part of it and that you're not just excluding them through busyness, the more that they're going to say, okay, I, they, they understand and they're going to see it from a different perspective because, you know, we we don't want to feel excluded and we don't want to feel like something in a relationship that something else is taking our place, whether we're together or we're, you're an entrepreneur together with your husband or not. You know, so I think the best thing that you can do, like you said, is, is let them know what's coming up and also to include them, say, this is ours, you know, I'm doing this for us, or even giving them maybe even like um, little things that they can do in the business it doesn't have to be something spectacular, but whatever they might be good at, you could say, here, I have all these things you know, in their area of specialty. Okay, hey, you, maybe you can take care of this and you can do this. And then that helps connect them too, to the business. They feel like they're part of it as well.
1: Let me give you one little caveat on that. Sure. It's a great, it's a great suggestion. The caveat is, because I've worked with a lot of couples who onboard their partners to help out with the business, and then it turns into a full-time thing sometimes, Um, you want to ask them strategically. You want to say, here's a list of the things that need to get done in the business. Is there anything that you actually have a desire to do? Is there anything that would excite you to contribute to the business that would help me? And if not, no problem. I just want to offer it to you because I do have a lot on my plate and I would love to have you do, you know, some things and I would want to make sure that you're doing what you actually want to do rather than something that you feel like you have to do. So, would you take a look at this and see if there's anything that's no, I, the way to approach it.
0: No, I think that's good because you're asking them their opinion so they oops so that they can kind of see and pick and then they like it and they feel good about it. So that's the whole thing letting them feel good about it too. But like you said, you know, just trying to include them as much and I love the terminology instead of saying I say we, or the, because it takes out the personalness of exactly. it. Exactly. And I think, no, go ahead.
1: Oh yeah, there's one more thing, which is celebration, which is when you are celebrating something in the business that you choose to celebrate it with your partner. So you say, hey, I have a big celebration. Are you available now for me to share about that? Or can, you, can we schedule some time to have a celebration because some really cool stuff happened and you're the first person I want to share this with? Oh, yeah, see. Yeah, see? It makes them feel connected and loved and appreciated and included. And so when you really want to celebrate, celebrate with your partner. That's going to build so much relationship equity that it's amazing because they'll feel part of the good things because what do they see? They see how much you're investing, the time, the money, how much attention you give to the business. They see mostly the negative side. And they rarely get to see the high side. So when you include them in celebration, it's so helpful for the relationship
0: too. So Is because I, I know that a lot of times when they talk about when you have kids in a relation and you're a business person too, that like you tell your kids, okay, well. You know, I'm working towards this. So, what can we do once to celebrate? And they'll go, Oh, let's go to Disneyland or whatever. And then, you know, you let them know that this is what's going to happen when we get this done. And then, when it does happen, you say, Hey, we reached that goal. So, maybe like we can also do that with our partners, too. Say, Hey, like, you know, let's plan a trip together when we reach this goal. And I'm working towards this. And this is a celebration when we actually get there. I think sometimes, you know, like you said, we just get so caught up when we're entrepreneurs in just, the day-to-day grind, and, and like you said, most of it is the day-to-day day-to-day grind. It's not always glamorous. Um, the successes, you know, come down the road because it's uh, planting the seeds today for down the road for a lot of businesses. And you just see, you're on a lot of the phone, you're on a scut. Sometimes you're not in the best of mood all the time because you just got so much on your plate. So I think that you know, as much as you can include our partners in that and have them see and be part of the overall thing is a really is a really good positive aspect.
1: I totally agree.
0: So I want to know too, Case, I always ask this final question too, is because we're a women's health thing. So how, number one, what's your self-care routine look like? And then also as an entrepreneur, I want to know, you know, how important do you feel like, That you have to have self-care for yourself in order for your not only for your business to move and also for in your relationship in that business, whether you're an entrepreneur or wherever, for that business to be successful as well.
1: This is such an important question. And I know that you touch on this every time in your podcast is self-care for me also includes doing the work that I'm teaching. So self-care also looks like being available for Julian when he wants to talk to me about something that I'm doing that's impacting him in a negative way. That's part of self-care because self-care of the relationship is just as important to me as personal self-care. And so personal self-care, I do a morning meditation in bed, laying down as soon as I open my eyes and wake up. I put one hand on my heart, one hand on my belly, and I do—I just go through a morning gratitude for being alive, <laughs> number one, for having all my organs that work, for having arms and legs, for having eyesight, just for all the basic functions of being human. And I—I I start with that, and then I roll over and I look at Julian and. if if he's sleeping or awake, it doesn't matter. I then send love and compassion and, and good vibes to him. And I remember that I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the universe. I'm a child of source. And I'm here for something really important, whether it's just to be kind to someone, whether it's getting my message out into the world more, whether it's helping couples or whether it's spending time with Julian, that I'm here for a greater purpose than just myself. And so I remember that and I connect with my vision and I have lots of other self-care things that I do, but mostly intermittently sitting meditation, massage, you know, all of those kind of great things. And the one thing that is a non-negotiable is that morning while I'm still laying in bed, it takes two minutes, everybody can do it. And it's so loving to um, To spend that time, and then the only other thing that I do throughout the day is um, Julian and I both do a, a prayer over our food, and the prayer is: May this food raise to our vibration or higher, and may all the animals and insects and beings who you know gave their life or who are participating in this in some way, you know, be blessed on their journey and any human or, or being who was impacted on the journey of this food arising to the plate, you know, from the growers to the truck drivers who drove the produce to the people preparing the food. And, and we sort of see light going out to all beings on earth lighting up because really we're all connected. So it sends out this love and vibration. May they all feel a little uplifted. May they all feel a little brighter and happier in this mm-hmm. moment. And so it is. And so that's our prayer over our food. And, and those are our self-care routines.
0: So I love that too, because I always, what I tell women this too, okay, I, I push the self-care and how we have to put that in the front burner, just like we have to put our relationships there too, is because when you are your healthy self, then you can show up to be that person that you were meant to be in this world, whether it's in your business, in your relationship, or wherever it's at. Because if you're not healthy, then nothing else is going to be healthy. And so I, when I personally feel good and I'm healthy with myself, then my business is so much better, and my relationship is so much better, and and you know, in involving my husband and my spouse, everything in my life is better. Because when I'm not feeling good it just, it affects everything. So I just, I think that's great. I love that. And I just, I love this talk that we've had about relationships and especially how to bring our partners in because, you know, it's a struggle that I think we all have as entrepreneurs. I know that at times that I've had it and I work on it constantly because I can find myself self-absorbed in my business and I don't want my husband to feel that way. And I've really had to like kind of look and learn how to put some of those practices that you've talked about. And I'm going to actually put in more of them too, to make things even better. Because I think the more that we can, we can never be good enough. Okay. I always think that you know we can always work on stuff and get better and just keep perfecting that, the humanness of, of each one of us. So what I want to know, so how can they reach you and um, anything else that you want us to know?
1: Absolutely. So yeah, I would love if anybody is inspired and wants to reach out, obviously my website, marlamattinson.com is a great way. You can get the redo is actually the opt-in there and we don't send a ton of emails at all. So you're welcome to opt in and grab that. Um, Instagram, Julian and I are on there as the intimacy experts on Instagram together. You can also follow me at my personal, which is Marla Mattinson and then Facebook, of course, Marla Mattinson. And When we get stuck in our business being really selfish and you just mentioned like sometimes, you know, you can be really selfish and only, you know, focus on the business. If your partner says to you something about that, even if in in a negative tone, if you respond with, Ooh, am I being really selfish right now? Like acknowledge that whatever they said is true. Say, ah, am I being really, you know, controlling right now? Yeah, that happens sometimes. Okay, let me see if I can shift that. So, if you can really soften and let all feedback in as a yes, right? Like, ah, that must be happening on some level if he's saying it or if she's saying it. So, I'm just going to let it all in and say, ah, if you're saying that to me, even not perfect, I'm just going to let it in, let it settle in there for a moment, receive it completely. And just acknowledge it. Uh, I, must be, I must be a little controlling right now if you're saying that. So can I get another redo here and shift it a little bit and bring out the playfulness? Because playfulness is the first thing to go when we get stressed.
0: Yeah, right? definitely. So bring
1: back the play. That's what I always say.
0: No, it's true. Like what you just said, I mean, to end on that note too, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying Hey, I am. Maybe I am being that way. You know, don't take it in that way, because I think that when people say stuff, they're seeing you from outside. We're seeing ourselves from this side, you know, with those like they say the rose-colored glasses on this Mm -hmm. side. But other people are seeing us different, differently, and they're seeing how we're acting in that in, in that moment. We're not seeing necessarily how we're acting. So when they say something, say, God, maybe they're right. I am. I think that's great. I think you know, you can. We can learn so much from that without just reacting. And I think that's like what you said. We talked about like the whole thing is just you know try to you know put yourself in that loving, gratitude, appreciative space for the other person because your partner does not want, like you told us, does not want to hurt us or harm us. They're there for us. They want us to be our best selves. They want us to be the best business person, the best wife, all of those things. So we've got to trust enough to say that they're just saying these things in a in a kind way because they want us to be better and that you know they want to receive the betterness of us, just like we want to receive the betterness of them.
1: Yes. We want to be our best selves together, right? And then when we're not, we can quickly pivot into, whoops, sorry, I was not quite my best self there. Let me try again. Or you weren't really your best self there. Can we do a redo? Can we do a redo? And I'll help you. I'll help you to be the best version of yourself. Let's shake it off and try again. Let's try again.
0: So that sounds cool so everybody go to www.marlamatsonsen.com and get that redo because I think that is fabulous and I think we can all learn from it and then you'll get stuff from her talking about relationships whether you're a businesswoman whatever that you can put into your business which we all could use. So cool so thank you so much for being on the show today. I've loved this conversation and yeah, so we'll just be talking soon because I just had I just loved it. Such a pleasure, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thanks and have a great day.